One thing that I love about scripture is the Bible is different from any other book. And it's because the Bible is God's living, breathing word. And so that is why we can look at a text and maybe see it so many different times or hear the same Sunday school story over and over. But then, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can see something different. God shows us something about his character that we hadn't seen before. Or he shows us how he wants us to respond in a way that is new. And so for me, this has been the book of Jonah. So I have read the book of Jonah so many times. I've heard sermons, Sunday school, VBS, camps taught on it. And in my biblical interpretation class this semester, I was in the book of Jonah for eight weeks. So for eight weeks, we just dissected it. We went deep into it. And I saw things that I have never seen before. And so I'm so excited to share things with, share it with you this morning. So what I realized before this class, I realized that I honestly didn't like the book of Jonah. I didn't like Jonah. He's not a very likable character, right? He's kind of whiny and pouts and is angry. And then the book of Jonah ends with a question mark. I don't like that. I like my stories to be tied up and wrapped up. And so I always looked at this book so differently. So first, let's look at God goes to Jonah and he gives him this message. And of course, we don't know what this message is until chapter three, but it's important because God gave it to him. And so Jonah does something that nobody else can live, lives and tells about it. He disobeyed God. And we think, Jonah, how are you alive? <laughs> right? How are you alive? God told you to go this way, and you went that way. And we think of other stories in the Bible. I think about Lot's wife, right? When they were destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, and she was told, don't turn back. And she disobeyed and was turned into a pillar of salt. Or we see the Levite priests who were told, you can't go into the Holy of Holies unless you have a pure heart. And then some of them did, and their bodies had to be pulled out with ropes, right? And we think, Jonah, how are you living and breathing to tell the story? So then he goes off to the ship, and he goes off to Joppa, and then we see another reason why I think, I don't really like Jonah, how, how dead and um, has his heart has to be. Because Jonah disobeyed God, yet he's able to sleep, right? So he's in the ship, the raging winds is starting, and Jonah is asleep at the bottom of the ship. And I think so many times when I wrestled with sin, and I can't sleep until I deal with it with God, but they come clean. And here Jonah's just sleeping away. <laughs> and then the sailors come, and they're saying, Jonah, wake up. Who is your God that you serve? Maybe he can rescue us. And then we see a little glimpse of some likability because Jonah comes clean, right? He says, I am a Hebrew. I worship the God who created the winds and the waves. And they think, oh, <laughs> okay, this is the guy here. And they take lots, they cast lots. And of course, Jonah is responsible. 
And then we see some kind of compassion for the sailors because he says, it's me, throw me into the waters, throw me into the sea, and the seas will be calm. So we think, okay, Jonah's trying to sacrifice himself for these sailors. And again, Jonah doesn't know that God is going to miraculously save him. So he knows if his body is going into the sea, he will most likely drown and he will die. So the sailors don't want that. They don't want his life on their hands. So they try to row against the waves, and it gets worse because God cannot be thwarted. And so finally they said, okay, we'll throw you in. And they throw Jonah into the sea, and the sea is calm. And God sends a miraculous fish, a great fish, to swallow Jonah, and he is saved in there for three days. So then in chapter 2, we see Jonah's prayer, and we think, okay, Jonah, is your heart changing? Because you say words like, I am in a pit, and you say phrases like, salvation is from the Lord. But is your heart changing, Jonah? Or are you saying things that you think God wants to hear? What's happening to you, Jonah? So God allows him. He speaks to the fish. Jonah is puked up on dry land. And so the question that I always have, I don't know if you think like me, but Jonah, did you have time to go change, freshen up? Or are you walking into Nineveh smelling with puke guts on you, right? I always wonder that. So God gives him the message, and here we see the message. And he says, arise, Jonah, this message that I gave you, go say it. Go preach it to the people of Nineveh. But then Jonah's heart doesn't really seem changed because Nineveh is a great big city, right? And it takes three days by foot to go through the whole city. And so Jonah only halfway goes. He goes one and a half days. And he's like, here's the message. I hope the rest of you can spread it out to the rest of you. Peace out. I'm out of here. And he leaves. He doesn't even go through the whole city. And then he goes outside the city, and he waits on a hill. And he's hoping, he's just waiting and hoping that God will destroy Nineveh. And then God and Jonah get into a dialogue. And Jonah, we, God says, I am not going to destroy Nineveh. And then we see Jonah, he gets God's character, and he throws it back in his face. He says words like, I knew this was going to happen. I knew you are too loving. You are too compassionate. You are too slow to anger. I knew this was going to happen. And I want to die. And we think, okay. And then God sends this metaphor. He sends this vine. He sends this plant to provide shade for Jonah in the desert heat. Jonah's content for a little bit. And then God sends a worm. And it destroys a plant. And Jonah is a mad. Now he's really mad, right? And then this is how the book of Jonah ends. With a question. God says, Jonah, are you more concerned about this plant than all the lives and souls of Nineveh and the animals? And that's how it ends. And it doesn't end very satisfying to me. But what I realize 
is I miss the point of the book of Jonah because the book of Jonah is really not about Jonah. It's really not about the Ninevites. The book of Jonah is about Yahweh. The book of Jonah is about our mighty God who is full of compassion, full of grace, full of love. That's what the book of Jonah is. And so when we see that, we can look at God's character. And so why, let's see, why, first of all, did the prophet not want to go into Nineveh? When I was young, I always thought it was because he was afraid. He was afraid. Maybe he was afraid that the Ninevites would kill him. Because let's not sugarcoat it, church. The Ninevites were evil. They were pure evil. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And Assyria was known for atrocious, vicious acts that they would do on especially the people that they captured. And they were really evil. But this was the issue with Jonah. Jonah didn't care about the Ninevites. Jonah didn't want God to care about the Ninevites. And Jonah didn't want God to be as good to the pagan Ninevites as God had been to Jonah. Did you catch that? Jonah didn't want God to be as good to the pagan Ninevites as God had been to Jonah. Because God had been good to Jonah. Because Jonah knew God's goodness. That's why he was able to testify and say, God, you are slow to anger. You are full of love and full of grace. Because he saw God's love in his people, right, in the Israelites. Jonah wanted that for him. He wanted that for his people, but he didn't want that for anybody else. That's the problem. So to look at the heart of God, to look at his character, we have to look at what was the message. What was the message that God gave Jonah? And we see it in chapter 3 when Jonah goes in and gives this half-hearted try, and he says, In 40 days, God will overthrow Nineveh. Now, we have to look at that word overthrow that's been translated into English. And the Hebrew word is hapak. And hapak is seen in the Old Testament about 95 times. And hapak means it's either translated as overthrow or overturn, or I will turn. Isn't that beautiful? Overturn, or I will turn. And every single time the hapak is listed in the prophets, it's listed as I will turn, or overturn. Because that's God's heart for people. God's heart is he wants to overturn our hearts of sin and change it to be in a relationship with him. That's God's heart for us. God's heart is that no one would come to to perish. God wants everyone to come to repentance. And that's the beauty of Hapak. And that's the beauty of God's outrageous grace. And we see God's outrageous grace first to Jonah. And the reason that we see his grace to Jonah is quite simply, he let Jonah live. (laughs) 
He let Jonah sit in his disobedience and rebellion. He let him work it out. And God's heart in the book of Jonah, the theme is for that he loves the prodigal sons and daughters. God didn't give up on Jonah when he was sitting, pouting, and angry on on that hill. And God does not give up on us. Isn't that the beauty of his outrageous grace? And then we see God's outrageous grace first to the sailors. Here are these pagan sailors who are just living their own life, and they were encounter. They had an encounter with Yahweh, the one who created the winds and the waves. And Yahweh responded to their cry for help. And then they, in turn, their hearts were overturned, and they gave out, they gave a sacrifice to Yahweh. And that's the beauty, because that's what God wants to do. In Ezekiel, he says he wants to take out our stony, hard hearts, and he wants to give us a soft heart instead. And we see that God exactly did that because he responded to the Ninevites' cry for repentance. So the king issued out a fast, and then God said, I will not destroy them. He didn't wait for 40 days to pass. He took their repentance, and he showed them grace. And I think about God's outrageous grace for me. Grace is so hard, really, to understand. Because grace costs the giver everything and the receiver nothing. And we don't understand that because we have to earn everything else, right? Everything else we have to work hard for. But with grace, we don't have to. It's all God. And grace says that Salvation is completely from the Lord. We don't have to do anything to earn it or deserve it. But it also says, if God doesn't save us, we will not be saved. We're completely dependent on him. I always looked at Jonah and I was pointing my finger at him and said, how could you not get it? But then I realized something. Jonah is a mirror. Jonah is a mirror to me and my Nineveh. Our Nineveh is anybody that we hate, the God whom God loves. Our Nineveh is that picture is on the TV screen that we see people doing atrocious things in the act of war. And God says, give them my grace. Our Nineveh is people who look and act and are different than we are. Our Nineveh is that person who abused you, abandoned you, left you. That is a person that God wants us to love. And we can't do it on our own. That's why we need outrageous grace. So grace is first accepting it for ourselves, believing it, and living it out. And then it's one person who's undeserving to another person giving it to another person who's undeserving so that we together can say, God, you are a God full of love, slow to anger, 
and full of grace and mercy. And we can live that out and give that and extend it out to a lost and dying world. That's outrageous grace. Amen? Amen.